recorded from a secret location, the city that moves mountains. Greetings. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Episode 54, the DJ Nikki interview, uncut, unedited, by request, right here on Here to Chew Bubblegum. The DJ Nikki Chronicles. DJ Nikki Chronicles. I like that. I like that. The DJ Chronicles. The DJ Chronicles. The DJ Chronicles. DJ Nikki Chronicles. It all works out. Anyway, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, we uh, were really excited uh, when we when this all went down, um, uh, because you and Rebecca were up in at the uh, bunker. Yes, we were in Bunker Studios at that time. We'd called uh, Ingersoll Lockwood. Uh, web, uh, yes, <laughs> on the show. Uh, the next day, I picked you guys up at the motel. We went and we recorded with Eli, um, and we, uh, we had some funny interaction going there. Uh, Rebecca yeah, actually thought she was going to that. a job interview. Uh, <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. The woman who doesn't need to work because I work so that she can stay home with our daughter and keep a roof over our heads. And she thinks she's going to a job interview. Yeah. That, three hours away. Yeah. That, 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 that still, cra- that still cracks me up. You know, I love her dear. Yeah. I love her. She is awesome. I love both of you guys. So anyway, after we went oh. and we done the interview with Eli, we're coming back. And we get stopped at a red light. What happens then, Dirty Dan? Well, I'm sitting in the backseat of your truck. Yes. Rebecca and you are up front. And <clears throat> it was after we had started driving from that red light. And your phone starts going off. And you said, oh, it's the show phone. And Rebecca's like, answer. I'm like, no, 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 don't answer it. Don't answer it. Let's just let it go to voicemail. You drop us off. And then I get a very out of the blue kind of worrisome text at that point from you that says hey got something you need to listen to hit me up before you leave okay thought i was going to already but okay now now i'm getting a little stressed about this and anxious (laughs) so we go visit you at the cookie factory before we head out yes and uh you take us outside and lo and behold you start playing this message and (laughs) The mess. I still love this message because <laughs> he, he has to compose himself to say my name. Yeah. In there. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was DJ calling the show line and leaving us a message saying that on behalf of Ingersoll Lockwood, they asked him to reach out to us and it just grew from there. Yes, it did. And uh, <clears throat> a few weeks later, we got that interview we uh, and I'm I'm going to be honest. As soon as we got that interview, we we kept it hush hush to kind yeah. of promote and push the interview. It was so hard, man, for me not to oh. post and to just want to drop the interview just just like that. But I knew that you know yeah. we we had we had went after it, had wanted this for so long, and then it finally came true. And 
I wish that we had recorded the whole conversation before we even started the interview and after the interview because DJ Nikki is oh, a we, we spent great like, guy. We spent like an additional half hour before and, and the same amount, if not longer, talking to him after. After, you know. So, I mean, and, and he, he, he gave us probably two hours of his time. You yeah. know, and we have 55 minutes of that uncut and unedited. When we posted the DJ Nikki interview, you know, naturally we took out, you know, some parts that, uh, you know, for just editing purposes, show purposes. But we've had, uh, and we, we've, we've, and we, read, al- we also split it into two. Yes. Yes, we did. <clears throat> yes, we did. And we've had some people, uh, email wanting the whole interview. And, uh, so we decided to bring that to you in episode 54, which you're listening to now, uncut not, and unedited. Not, not just the interview, though. It's the DJ Chronicles. The DJ Chronicles. going to start out with our last call to Ingersoll. Yes. So that will be a clip from the, uh, one of our episodes. I can't think of the number right off the top of my head. 31? 31. Really? 31? Okay. I won't have to go back and check. So you you were probably right. It, it's, it's, it's probably 30-something because uh, <clears throat> we were 34. Like, yeah. So, but. Uh, and then and then they're going to hear the, the message we yes. got from DJ. Yes. Now his. Led. Yes. But, but uh, sorry to interrupt you. Like you said, they're going to hear the clip of us calling Ingersoll Lockwood. They're going to hear their voice message, but his phone number will be edited out right. of the voice message just because we're not going to put that out. You know, we're right. going to keep that private. Now, then please continue, Dirty Dan. And then after that voice message, you will get to hear the complete, unedited, uncut, raw interview start to finish with some background stuff that happens at here to chew bubblegum of goose cutting the mics um, with Daryl J. Nikki the second. You are exactly right. So nothing better to do. Let's get ready and then let's roll it. And we'll be back at the end to close everything out. You said we should try to call him right now. Okay. We can try to call him right now. <laughs> you have reached the voicemail of cyber defense media group. Please leave a message after the tone. Thank you for calling. Hello, this is Goose from Here to Chew Bubblegum. I'm here with Dirty Dan, and um, we do a podcast called Here to Chew Bubblegum. I have emailed you. Dirty Dan also emailed you. Uh, we would like an interview with a representative from your company. Uh, if you can please call us back at area code 606-373-3396 or email us back, goose at com. Dirty Dan at here to chewbubblegum.com. We would really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Have a great day, and please get in touch with us. Yeah, hi. This is Daryl J. Nicky or DJ Nicky calling for uh, Goose, or um, I'm sorry, I wrote the other gentleman's name down, Dirty Dan. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm calling on behalf of Ingersoll Lockwood. Uh, they've gotten your emails and especially the last voicemail, and they asked me to call back. Ladies and gentlemen of Here to Chew Bubblegum, myself and Dirty Dan want to send a very special welcome and thank you for our next guest, uh, Mr. DJ Nicky, who is a subcontractor with Carbon Capture Shields, which is one of the projects that Ingersoll uh, Lockwood uh, Company is uh, overseeing. DJ, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's awesome to be here from sunny Germany. Sunny Germany. Um, what time is it in Germany right now? Right here, it is three uh, thirty-five p.m. Was it uh, was it difficult to get used to the six-hour time gap? 
No, not really. I mean, I, my family moved to Australia when I was 15, so I'm, I'm used to living all over the place and having to convert time zones and whatnot. So it wasn't too, too difficult. Okay. Well, uh, uh, our, my uh, first question, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I was uh, born in Detroit, Michigan, uh, back in the, the 80s, 1980, actually, in inner city Detroit. So people have seen the, the movie Eight Mile Road uh, with Eminem, and I, I literally grew up on Seven Mile Road, so within the city borders, and it was very, very rough neighborhood. My family decided to finally move. Uh, my parents had five children, and uh, then our neighbors were carjacked in our driveway and ran over the perpetrator who uh, put a shotgun to his window and then ran the guy over. So we come home to a dead body in our driveway. And my parents were like, mm, maybe this isn't the best place to raise our children. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, then they moved down to Florida. My, my dad, uh, worked for IBM and NASA and that took us to Australia. And, um, yeah, I, I got into the film industry. I, I was a bit of an early achiever. Uh, learned to scuba dive when I was nine uh, taught myself computer graphics when I was 15, got accepted to college when I was 16, uh, was training the Sydney Police Forensics Department uh, by the time I was 18, which is the same year I uh, began performing stand-up comedy, and I also had my first video game published when I was 18, so uh, got off to a running start, uh, was one of the youngest animators ever hired by Walt Disney when I was 21, um, and then quickly realized, um, I used to joke, it's no fun climbing the corporate ladder when you get to the top and realize the ladder has been up against the wrong wall. <laughs> so <laughs> I realized quickly that uh, Disney was not where I wanted to be. Um, and the only thing worse than telling your parents I'm gay, I think is telling your parents I'm quitting Walt Disney. Uh, Cause that was, that did not go over well with my parents. Um, so yeah, that, that's sort of my, my story. I, I left Hollywood when I was about 28. Um, I just got sick of using my skills to, you know, sell happy meals and uh, create better consumers. Um, I could see the tricks and tactics that were being used. I could also see that my suggestions of wholesome uh, ideas were always sort of uh, sidelined and literally locked in a drawer uh, and forgotten about. And because uh, I worked at Fox, I've worked at Disney, I've, I've worked at many studios uh, through Australia and North America and Europe. Spain, London, uh, Norway, all over the place. And uh, <clears throat> no matter where you go, it's the same. It's the same people in control of the messaging. And if you don't step in line with what they want, then uh, they silence you. And so I decided to get into uh, journalism. I, uh, I learned about the cannabis plant, which was uh, forbidden to me. Uh, I don't want to go too much into my background, but um, yeah, no, I, I had an awakening around about 2008 and fully awakened in 2012 and realized that really? um, something's really wrong with this planet and we need to start uh, figuring out how to save ourselves because what if no savior is coming and hey, if the savior does come and we're busy trying to save the world, I don't think they're going to be so mad at us for saying, hey, why did you try and save it? You should have waited for me, which is what all my family is doing. They, they kept telling me, wait for God, God's coming to save us. I'm like, yeah, but let's get ready. Let's you know, like, let's stop ruining the planet while we're here. So that's a, a quick history of, of my background. Wow. You know, I mean. Yeah, that, uh, that, that was a shock. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, DJ. That, that made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up yeah. from the time that you I started till the time the that you ended. And I want to throw this out there right now. We would love to have you back on the show just to talk about you at uh, some point in time because you mentioned several fascinating several fascinating things that your father worked for nasa that uh and you used the term uh, awakening 
which I love, which, you know, there'll, there'll probably be some people that maybe disagree with that that listen to the show, but, you know, they have a right to turn off the show if they don't want to listen to it and find out, you know, facts and, and uh, uh, people's other thought process. Um, what do you think, Dirty Dan? Right. I mean, you know, he uh, he said a lot of stuff that it'd be real interesting to have him and, and Rebecca Short of the Short Shit Show on together. Uh, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah. Real, just uh, real, real quick, and, and uh, what was one of the big movies at Disney that you worked on as an as an animator? Um, I mostly worked on the the sequels, so I I recreated Wolfire Wildebeest Stampede for Lion King one and a half. Um, they uh, for for the original Lion King, they sent the whole team to Africa so they could study wildebeest in real life. And uh, for me, they gave me a laser disc of the original Lion King and said, "Hey, can you recreate this? We lost the files." And so that was a fun fun experiment uh, in uh, pointlessness back then. And this is before YouTube, so like you couldn't go on YouTube and, and look up uh, wildebeest running. So I literally like had to go down to the, the city library and then I had to find a video camera that would record at 24 frames per second because all the footage I found in the library was on film. So I had to have a librarian help me uh, in a projector room to hook up a projector. Then I had to find a camera and synchronize the camera with the projector to record it and take that footage back to Disney and have uh, the head of IT digitize it. So it took like a week and a half before I could even get footage of a wildebeest running on my computer to, to look at and study. Um, so, but, but that was probably the biggest project was Lion King one and a half. I also did Jungle Book two and Peter Pan two. Uh, and then I, I headed up a, a secret division cause this was in 2001, 2002 and Disney didn't believe 3d was real. You know, they hired Pixar to make toy story and a bug's life and a few movies, but they thought it was just a fad. And um, they started a secret lab. It was actually called the Secret Lab. Uh, and I was running up a division in Australia that was recreating Mickey, Donald, and Goofy and all their flagship characters in 3D to see if they could be translated to 3D. And um, that's really what I was hired for. Uh, and then when, when we were successful, they then uh, outsourced it all to another company, uh, made Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas in 3D, the first 3D animated Disney film. Uh, and basically told us to go back to doing backgrounds and, you know, doors and blades of grass blowing in the wind. And that's when I was, I was like, I'm out of here. This isn't what I want, wanted to do. <clears throat> right. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's fascinating. Uh, Dirty Dan, I think you have the next question there. Yeah. So, uh, Ingersoll Lockwood has 10 key focus areas with number 10 being entertainment, wholesome entertainment. Um, with your background, are, are you helping with that too? Well, so with, with Ingersoll Lockwood, um, I'm not directly involved in the projects. I'm helping out with, with a few where I can. Um, I hope so. I mean, that 10, 10 point list is what drew me to them um, initially because my background, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist and working with the U.S. government was probably one of the last things that I ever would have imagined myself doing. Um, but in the times that we were in, you know, I saw I, they seem like a beacon of hope. And I figured, you know, I'll reach out to them and see if they're for real. They're either going to silence me and I'm going to disappear or they're going to support me and I'll have, uh, you know, a powerful ally on, on our side. So I'm hoping to work with all of them um, because I also have a lot of ideas. You know, Carbon Capture Shield alone will help with, you know, one through through five, really life, land, water, air and fuel. Um, <clears throat> 
And we're hoping also along the lines of education and entertainment, uh, because I, I believe entertainment is supposed to be, uh, you know, you used to have shamans who would tell stories and the stories were meant to inspire the tribe and to help teach morality and, and all kinds of things. Whereas now entertainment is used to sell consumer goods and we've sort of gotten off track and we're leading ourselves off a cliff. So I, I think education and entertainment, uh, numbers nine and 10 on the Ingersoll Lockwood list are actually the most, I think they're fundamental to a future that we can believe in. Because if you can entertain people with uh, things that improve them and make them a better person, then that's when human society is going to be on an upward trend, you know, where we're going to slowly, each generation has the opportunity to be better than the generation before, rather than devolving into uh, chaos. <clears throat> um, and I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. I, I love that answer. I love your, your explanation for that answer. Um, yes. My next question is, um, and this is regarding, you know, Ingersoll Lockwood, the person, these series of questions were, uh, regard Ingersoll Lockwood, the person. Why can't we find much online about Ingersoll Lockwood, the person, other than the basic stuff? And there's not much of that there. No, there's not. But I, I mean, there's not probably much about your average person who was born in, you know, 1841 and died in 1918 on the Internet. So, um, you know, he didn't have a Facebook account in that. So I understand that it's a bit limited, but that's a question that I also have. And um, yeah, honestly, I don't know. I don't know why. I, I don't know if he was an actual historical person or if he was injected into the timeline or injected into our, our history books, you know, on a very thorough basis, because you can see he's listed, you know, on the books of Hanover, the kingdom of Hanover as, as an ambassador, uh, all kinds of stuff. So he definitely was a real person, but yeah, it's hard to find actual information about him apart from his own writings. Uh, I, I did locate his, um, in the New York times, it was his obituary. And I, I posted that on my telegram channel. Uh, just it mentioned that he was like a, a member of the Sons of the Revolution and, and a few other key points in his obituary. So, but overall, I'm not sure what, why there's so little about him because he seems like an important figure. And until really until Q, I'd never heard of the whole thing. I'd never heard of him. So, so you're on Telegram. I am. Yes. Yeah. I've been completely deleted and banned from Twitter and Facebook. So they uh, deleted my accounts. <laughs> Interesting. Well, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we have a, another guest that everybody loves on the show, Rebecca Short of the Short Shit, Shit Show. Uh, she has a, a very large flock gathering on the telegram, as she calls it. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll have to come back to that later. But uh, nice. Can you can you give us a little insight on who Ingersoll Lockwood was, other than him being a lecturer, a lawyer, an author in his family history? Well, he, he was clearly a, a patriot, you know, and concerned about, and when I say patriot, I don't mean it in the, the modern colloquial sense of someone who, you know, dresses in a flag and says, God bless the USA. I mean, that's the modern caricature of a patriot, but, but patriot comes from the root uh, Latin word pater, which is father. And it just meant someone who, who expresses sort of a father-like protective instinct for others, uh, especially their tribe or their nation. And so he was truly a patriot because he truly cared about humanity. Uh, you know, he was one of the youngest diplomats ever, uh, ever for the United States. He was appointed by Abraham Lincoln himself to the, as a diplomat to the kingdom of Hanover. Um, 
So he's had quite a distinguished career. And then, yeah, of course, he was a, he was the a lawyer and an author, uh, a poet, and uh, some say a time traveler. So who, who knows what the truth is, but it's definitely uh, curious. Um, did, uh, in your uh, opinion, or if you do know, please, please share if you can, did Ingersoll Lockwood ever meet Nikola Tesla? If so, when and where? That's a good question. I, I don't know if he did. Um, if he did, I would imagine it would have been at the, uh, was it the 1890 World's Fair in Chicago? You know, because that's where it was Tesla and Henry Ford and even George Washington Carver. You know, that's where the inspiration for Henry Ford's Model T, that's where the inspiration for uh, Henry T. Booker, uh, you know, his uh, Tuskegee University, you know, the, those, those World's Fairs, used to be amazing beacons of hope for humanity, uh, whereas now the fairs are, are basically just commercial. But um, I, I don't have any direct evidence for the meeting, but if they did, I imagine it would have been at the Chicago's World's Fair. Right. And uh, 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 this question wasn't on the list, but, you know, when you answered a previous question, this popped up and I jotted it down. Um on the Ingersoll Lockwood website, they mentioned new manuscripts of Ingersoll Lockwood coming out um can yes. you can you explain a little bit of that i mean have these been hid away and secretly uncovered or did he leave these with instructions to be released at a specific time so that i don't know um like i said i don't actually have insight any inside information mm-hmm. um i'm sort of i i'm in the same boat as most m- most everyone else um it's sort of like a need to know basis and and i don't ask questions uh that i don't that I know that they won't be able to answer. So I'm not sure where those are coming from, and, and I'm looking forward to reading them along with everyone else when they do come out. We are, too. We are, too. Uh, Dirty Dan, I think yeah, you had sure. the next one there. So um, did, do you think you ever met John G. Trump? Uh, if so, when and where again? But, you know, the, the tie with Tesla there, do you, do you think that was a possibility? Yeah, it might be a possibility. I'm not sure if John Trump was uh, later, you know, in in years, because um, he might have been born around the time that uh, Ingersoll Lockwood would have passed away in 1918. So I'm not sure, but it's definitely a possibility. Hey, you're aware of the whole John G. Trump and Tesla connection, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He, yeah, Trump's uncle got uh, was the the scientist that was asked to come in and, and examine all of Tesla's papers once they were uh, seized by the uh, Department of Aliens or wh- whatever it was. Um, yes. Uh, alien is in foreign foreign national, yeah. but uh, yeah. yeah, the uh, Department of Alien Property, I think, is what it was called. And yes, uh, you know, uh, Dirty Dan and myself has always found it funny that when John G. Trump comes in, he spends like. Uh, a day there, uh, I think, and he says there's nothing of importance, and then you've got like 20 trunks missing. That was never turned over. Right. Yeah, that is very interesting. <laughs> so who knows what, what they had before his passing, and who knows what was prepared, you know? Um, in uh, Ingersoll Lockwood's uh, retirement years, did he spend that alone, and if so, why? Well, it claims he was a recluse. Uh, you know, he and his wife divorced, and then he he spent his days um, where was it in in New York, um, in seclusion. Uh, you know, if if he was a time traveler, then that's the perfect cover for making those journeys. So, um, in, in my mind, 
you know, great work. I, I'm a married man, and, and true great work and focus comes from solitude and isolation. And so um, isolating himself would have been to focus purely on some great work that he felt he was called to do. So that's why I imagine that he spent his retirement years completely alone. That's an excellent point. I don't think Dirty Dan's not uh, got the next question. And after he asks it, uh, I will tell you, uh, or I, I, will, I will tell you what I've always thought about this. All right. So what did he mean when he wrote, the end has almost come. I'm only waiting for the signal to push off and begin my voyage to the Isles of the Blessed in the far western seas. I was troubled in my mind at first for my little bark. Staunch thought it may be, sat too deep in the water. It was overladen with conceits that wouldn't be current and merchandise that wouldn't be saleable in the Isles of the Blessed. Overboard with it. Now that I have lightened the ship, I feel better. To me, uh, and, and this is my own personal opinion, that sounds something like a time traveler would write, you know, not, I mean, you know, that's just what I think. What's your thoughts on that? To me with, with what DJ just said about, about him being, uh, you know, secluding himself and, and getting ready for a journey or the great work is, is that, is that kind of what you think DJ? Yeah, well, de- definitely. So, um, he was saying, I was troubled in my mind at first for my little bark, staunch though it may be, sat too deep in the water. So little bark, um, that refers to back in those days, uh, the Native Americans used to make canoes out of tree bark, out of birch bark. And they were called little barks uh, colloquially. So that that's a reference to getting in a, a solo uh, vessel, you know, a, a canoe is for one person, but it was sitting too deep in the water. It was overladen with conceits that wouldn't be current and, and merchandise that wouldn't be saleable in the Isles of the Blessed. So he's uh, implying, you know, going to the afterlife perhaps. Uh, but then when you read the, and by the way, that's that's page 17. If you look the book up on, on Google Books, uh, that exact quote, which uh, is no coincidence either. But I believe, yeah, it could be an allusion to either time travel or just saying, you know, my time on this uh, physical realm is coming to a close and I'm lightening the load. So that way it'll be smooth sailing into, into the, uh, the great beyond. Um, and you, you, you have touched on this and I, I'm just going to ask you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to word it a little bit differently. Do you think that Ingersoll Lockwood was in fact a time traveler? That's something that I wrestle with because personally, um, you know, my, my father uh, was very scientific, and he uh, taught me that time was immutable and and only ran in one direction. The arrow of time flies in one direction. So I have a hard time accepting the concept of time travel. However, I, I recognize that my knowledge is based on limited uh, knowledge, and so there there could be things that I'm not aware of. So I personally don't believe in time travel, but I'm open to the possibility. And the story of Ingersoll Lockwood is perhaps, and especially what's going on on the website, um, the IngersollLockwood.com website, is the strongest evidence I've seen to date uh, for the existence of time travel. So I don't don't say I would believe it, but then again, I try not to hold on to beliefs because I think beliefs can, can hold you back if you cling to them too much. So my, my, I tend to disbelieve in time travel in general. However, um, things seem to add up to that as the conclusion. So I, I'm definitely open to it. Um, Dirty Dan, do you want to ask the next two questions or just skip those where he kind of answered those already? 
I think we can I think we can uh, skip those and okay. go to my next one that you've got that we have. Okay, go ahead. Um, why does he look like John McAfee? <laughs> That's a very good question. And then uh, I don't know if you saw the the Telegram channel, which I've been told is not in any way associated with John McAfee, but posted some uh, fairly candid images of um, Ingersoll Lockwood that do bear a striking resemblance to John McAfee. So I, I'm not sure. I really don't know. Uh, I, I don't know if he's alive. People that I know who were friends with him said they believe he's dead. Um, but, you know, a, a time traveler would definitely have a way of getting out of prison. So, I mean, who, who knows? Um, where do you think that Ingersoll Lockwood got his knowledge in regards to the Baron Trump novels? Yeah, that's that's another good question, you know, especially like the, the last president. It just seems too prescient, you know, it seems too coincidental um, the way that it describes a lot of what's going on. And also in the Baron, you know, Baron Trump's underground adventures as well, talking about the civilizations under the ground. And now, you know, we're learning about all these deep underground military bases and there's talks of entire civilizations that live beneath the surface. Um, yeah, I'm not sure where he, where he got his knowledge from, but it's it's fascinating. Uh, Dirty, uh, Dirty Dan has the last question in reference uh, in the uh, Ingersoll Lockwood, the person uh, section. Dirty Dan? Do you agree with a former high-ranking military officer when he said, anything you can imagine or dream of, our military already has? And is three hundred years ahead of the public and technology that they use. Why or why not? Do you, why why or why not? Do you agree with that? I would definitely say that I I believe that. Um, just the, the circles that I've uh, been in throughout my life, I've met people who invented all kinds of things, but then had had that seized by the military. Um, when you learn about organizations like the Majestic Twelve, uh, who who came together to cover up the Roswell uh, incident and totally mislead humanity. And, and when you look at the way human society is being run at the moment, it's people no longer research. They, they just obey what, like whatever the school teacher says is the correct answer is the correct answer. And you're not allowed to ask questions. And that carries on into the work life, into religion, into government. It's what we're seeing in the world today. Uh, when the authorities say you must wear a mask, you're not allowed to question it. If they say get this get this injection because it's going to be good for you, you're not allowed to ask questions. And so I definitely believe that there there is technology and inventions that are beyond what we can imagine. And who would have access to that but our military? Because um, it takes weapons to defend uh, things that people want. So uh, the U.S. military has those weapons. So if anyone has it, I would say the military definitely has it. Um, now we're going on to, uh, the project that you're associated with carbon capture shield. Um, so you manage yes. carbon capture shield. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you became involved with the Ingersoll Lockwood company? And you touched on how you became involved, uh, a little bit earlier. So if you want to tell us about carbon capture shield. Well, so carbon capture shield is a, a company, a corporation that's been formed with the express purpose of transitioning 1 billion acres of farmland to regenerative agriculture by 2030. So uh, we, we all hear about sustainability, but the, the truth is if we sustain what we're doing at the moment, uh, we're going to end up in extinction because what we're doing right now, we can the earth cannot sustain our current lifestyle. And so what we need is something called regenerative. 
uh, and regenerative agriculture is techniques that actually restore the fertility of the soil so that the soil becomes more fertile as time goes on. Um, and it's somewhat biblical, you know, in that you give it time to rest, but, but there's so much science and there's such a broad range of research out there on how to regenerate the land um, that we just use the blanket term regenerative agriculture because we don't want to limit it because um, there's so many, you know, there's a million ways to, to skin a cat and there's a million ways to do regenerative agriculture. So the idea with Carbon Capture Shield is if we can get a billion acres, we've done the calculation, if we can get a billion acres to regenerative, not only will we uh, erase the carbon uh, footprint of humanity, which isn't really the problem, but what that will also do is it will put that carbon back in the soil where it belongs because there used to be about three, 330 parts per million of, of carbon in the soil, and now there's only 30, and that excess is in the atmosphere at the moment, and it belongs in the soil. That's what makes black dirt black is the carbon. Otherwise, it's just sand. Um, and when it's in the soil, it can absorb more water, and it becomes uh, a living ecosystem and a playground for a whole microcosmos of life that uh, literally eats the detritus. You know, we're having all these forest fires, and that's because We've sprayed chemicals that have killed all of the earthworms and, and the other creatures that normally eat and break down all of this detritus and turn it uh, from uh, fuel for fires into fertilizer for new life in the soil. And because of, of humans' use of, of these toxic chemicals all over the planet, we're seeing a global uh, shift uh, to where the carbon is leaching out of the soil and into the atmosphere. So that's the plan with Carbon Capture Shield. Uh, I hope that answers that question. Yes, yes, it did. Uh, Dirty Dan, uh, you've got the next one. Yeah, so honestly, you said by 2030 with, with 1 billion um, acres. Honestly, how, how practical is that, that carbon capture shield project then? So, yeah, and I mean, it is, it's like climbing a mountain. Uh, you know, it's like climbing Everest. How realistic is it? And uh, it's, it's extremely treacherous and difficult and uh, one wrong step and you could fall off a cliff. Um, so it is going to be difficult, but it is it is practical because uh, with regenerative agriculture, the, the reason why organic doesn't take off is because when you switch from conventional chemical-based agriculture to organic, you lose productivity. So if you're one acre used to grow, you know, a ton of, of soy uh, and you go to organic, now it's only going to grow, uh, you know, 0.8 tons or even uh, 0.4 tons. Yeah. yeah, so it really drops quite a lot. With regenerative agriculture, Within the first year, you can be matching what conventional agriculture did. And by year seven, uh, we have farmers who are getting up to 500%, so five times more yield from the same soil without any inputs, with no fertilizer, very little watering, no tilling. Um, so when you have two farms next to each other, and one of them is, you know, the, the farmer spending thousands of dollars on fertilizers and pesticides and, and fungicides and herbicides, and he's getting... Uh, you know, a, a fraction of the yield of his neighbor who's not even tilling his soil, the, the farmers are going to ask questions, you know, what are you doing? And it's going to spread like wildfire. And so that's what, that's why we're starting small. Uh, we're, we're working with a few key farms. Uh, I've been I spent the last decade traveling the world, meeting with farmers, making documentary films uh, and building relationships. And so I have a network of farmers on just about every inhabited continent who are ready to apply these principles. Um, and once we can publicize their results, I think it's going to start spreading like wildfire. So 
we say we aim to do that by 2030, uh, which is, you know, nine years, but I think we could do it in, in four to five years once we really get some momentum. So yes, it's definitely practical. Okay. Um, you know, hit, uh, before I ask this question, I just want to make a comment that it's it is refreshing to have a company going out and trying to improve uh, humanity versus trying to destroy it and tear it down. I just want to make that comment. Well, uh, it, it's it's nice to also hear that the one of the people that are in charge of that or, or working with that are so passionate and have are on the kind of, kind of the same page as the rest of us that are about here to chew bubblegum and whatnot. Uh, DJ, uh, how long have you been a contractor f- uh, for the company, and does that the, does that classify you differently in the eyes of the uh, Ingersoll Lockwood employees board versus the company's payroll employees? Well, so I'm not actually a contractor for Ingersoll Lockwood. I'm um, they are mentoring me and incubating my project uh, and and financially supporting it to some extent, but I don't actually get any income from them. Um, they they coached me to go out and find private investors and help me. And, and several of the board members have also personally invested uh, in my project. But for the time being, because uh, Ingersoll Lockwood's focus is more um, USA, made in America, uh, and then one of my primary partners is a German who runs a Japanese renewable energy company. Um, so they they didn't want to... We, we had some discussions about making it an Ingersoll Lockwood project directly under their umbrella. Um, but I really wanted a, a global uh, view. You know, that I, I have friends in Africa that I really want to help out. I have friends in uh, Albania and Georgia and Australia that I really want to help out, uh, Colombia, you know, throughout South America. And I, I told them that I really wanted to make it an international project. And so that's why we decided to keep it somewhat separate. And then uh, the board members who wanted to participate were welcome to invest personally. Uh, and then a few of them are also on my board. Uh, on Carbon Capture Shield's board, so that way we get the mentorship and the guidance, and also access to their connections, because because that's the biggest thing. And and the other thing is, you know, the, knowing someone like that is is has got your back. If you're going to be going up against giants like Monsanto, uh, I don't want to be suicided, um, you know. And I have no intention of killing myself like John McAfee. So uh, the best bet in securing yourself against such eventualities is to partner with the enemy, so to speak. And so that's why I reached out to Ingersoll Lockwood. And and it's been amazing so far. The, the mentorship they've gotten, you know, because I'm not a businessman. I'm a bit of a maverick and a cowboy, you know, so to uh, to be running a, a company as a CEO, it's like, uh, it's, it's a bit frustrating at times. But, you know, I've got really good mentors helping me through it. And um, they're helping with all the legal paperwork and avoiding, you know, the landmines of, uh, you know, SEC filings and, and things like that. So that that's where they're really helping with that. And um, man, I take my hat off to them because it's it's amazing um, the support that they've given me. If uh, any of our listeners want to uh, uh, invest or contribute to your project, how can they do that? So right now we have a GoFundMe. And if you look on uh, GoFundMe.com, we have not been taken off yet. Um, it's just called Carbon Capture Shield Earth's Natural Defense. And uh, we're, we're aiming to raise $20,000 right now on GoFundMe. And we're up to, as of this recording, we're at 19350 which is amazing. So if they wanted to support us, they could go there uh, or follow us on social media or on Telegram. We've got uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, um, and also a Telegram at the moment that's very active. And then 
um, yeah, just, just jump on there. And we're, we're not uh, accepting outside investors right now. We're, uh, we're accepting investors by invitation only just because um, you mentioned before, it's nice, it's refreshing to hear of a, a corporation that wants to care for the planet. And I agree. And in order to maintain that, we have to be very selective about what kind of investment we allow. You know, that, that's Elon Musk said his biggest regret with, um, uh, was it Tesla, was that he made it a public company. And when you make it public, you lose control because then the investors get to control where the company goes. And so um, at the moment with Carbon Capture Shield, we're keeping it private because we need to make sure that we set it on the proper course. Uh, and then when the time is right, we want to uh, re restructure the company to be a public benefit corporation and enshrine in its founding documents, kind of like the Constitution, uh, where we set the tone uh, and we say this is what the company exists for and anything against this is counter to the company and is hereby rendered valid. So we we're, we have to very, be very protective you know, of, of the seedling while it's uh, in its sprouting stage. <clears throat> I can totally understand that. Uh, Dirty Dan, I think you had the next one. Well, I was going to say, Goose, do you want to ask the uh, GoFundMe question then, since you just specifically brought that up? Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, let me let me make a notation here real quick where we're at on to edit this. My, my, While he's doing my that, fumbling DJ, out. Thank you again so much for, for coming on with us and reaching back out to us. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't know exactly how you got um, told to, to reach out to us, but everything works in mysterious ways and, and it happens for a reason. Um, so so thank you again for this opportunity. No, you're welcome. Yeah, it was actually um, your episode 39 where you called Ingersoll Lockwood live on air. And yes. then I got sent that voicemail recording and, and was was told, hey, can you call these guys back and see see what uh, see what they want and see what you can do with them? So that's how I got it. Actually, it's funny because when I listened to that episode, I was like, that's the exact recording I got. Yeah, well, we awesome. we we have called them several times, and I think that they finally got tired of us calling and emailing, and, and they're like, hey, we need to we need to let somebody talk to these guys. Um, okay, I'm gonna pick back up with my next question. Uh, so, DJ. Um, and talking about uh, carbon uh, capture shield, um, when you reach your GoFundMe goal that you set, uh, what exactly is that money going to do? And um, is it even going to be able to make a dent, so to speak, in the project that you talked about? Right. Yeah. Well, 20000 really uh, is not enough to make a dent, but it's enough to uh, start the plan. And what we've done is we've designed a plan. So my background as well, for the last five years, um, I've in 2016, I started a nonprofit called thecanopedia.org, where I started researching and publishing uh, accurate fact-based information on the cannabis plant. And that led to making uh, an award-winning documentary film in 2017, where my wife and I traveled around the U.S., meeting with farmers and business owners and politicians all across the country and educating them and also being educated ourselves about about the state of hemp in the United States. That film's called the Hemp Road Trip. Um, and so that film actually helped uh, push the legalization of hemp federally for, for farmers in 2018. Um, and the way we did it was the film ended up getting censored. It, it was rejected by every film festival we submitted to and nobody would play it. Nobody wanted to look at it, you know, in, in the media realm. So we figured, well, stuff that, you know, we, we already went on a road trip. We got all these contacts. So we, we organized our own grassroots screening campaign 
Uh, and we ended up having uh, successful screenings of the film all across the country that we organized ourselves. Well, what we did was we contacted activists in each city and uh, we had another road trip around the country. And every time the road trip stopped in that city, that was the night of the screening. And we invited people to come and it was a very uh, cheap, it was like $5 a ticket and all that went to the, the nonprofit uh, called the Hemp Road Trip. Um, and so what I did was I learned how to create a grassroots movement with others who are who uh, joined me in Carbon Capture Shield, but we learned how to use the power of the people to overcome the censorship. Because um, the other thing is you cannot advertise anything to do with cannabis on any social media platform. You're not allowed to do paid advertising and we were getting censored. But then we had a breakthrough where I created a video of uh, Dr. Uma Donabalan. She's uh, a New England doctor who, who recommends cannabis and she, she was uh, testifying before her state Senate and she had the video of her testimony up on her YouTube channel. And after like a year, it had maybe a hundred, couple hundred views. And she's like, Hey, can you help me promote this? So I re-edited that into a nice entertaining video and put it out on Facebook and shared it through a, a network of activists that I know. And it's now up to, I think 2.8 million views. It just went completely viral. And that showed me that the people, you know, when, when information has found its audience, you can't stop it. And so I figured if we could take that same concept and apply it to farming and to uh, saving our soil, then that's probably the best way forward. So the 20,000 is actually to help us create a grassroots movement. And the way we're doing that is we're creating a home lawn care product that we're going to uh, distribute to people. Anyone who has a lawn now can be involved in saving the environment in their own backyard. So instead of uh, every year, 60 million pounds of poisons are sprayed on American lawns. And, you know, that kills the bees and the butterflies and the pollinators. It gets washed down the drains and pollutes our water tables and, and streams and waterways. But also our children crawl around on these toxins that we know cause cancer. And we walk on them and, uh, you know, drag that back into our homes, on our floors. And instead of doing that, we could be spraying our products, which will actually be beneficial for the environment, it will feed the soil, it will help your lawn actually be sequestering carbon out of the atmosphere and creating a home for pollinators and it's non-toxic. So if your baby eats a handful of your dirt, it doesn't matter because it's all non-toxic, it's all natural. So if we can give people a product that they can use in their own backyards, now we've created activists because they've actually done it literally in their own backyard. They know how easy it is to help change the environment so now we can get them as vocal activists who will go to their local farmers and start promoting our products to the farmers. And that's sort of the way that we're going to get in um, sort of, you know, virally and through grassroots movements. So we want to create uh, an educated market of conscious consumers who can then demand and using their demand, create market demand that shifts the direction of the market. Uh, wow. uh, yeah, that's the same way I feel, Dirty Dan. Um, I think you have the next question there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, can you tell us about uh, any or all specific goals and timelines and plans that uh, the company Ingersoll Lockwood have planned or set in place to see their mission statement to fruition? Yeah, definitely. So I'm I'm only involved in two directly. Um, I'm not involved in American Health Defenders, but that's that's actually what solidified my confidence in them as a company. Uh, if you go to AmericanHealthDefenders.com, I think it is, or just click on their the link on their website, uh, Ingersoll Lockwood. That gives amazing information on how to protect yourself and your loved ones from the virus. Um, 
including uh, the vaccine, I believe. So that's one of them uh, for restoring health. And then you have American Education Defenders, which is Paul Hemphill's project. Um, He's also running a fundraiser right now to help save children from uh, critical race theory. And I've been a bit involved in that as well. And then, of course, Carbon Capture Shield is one that I'm running. So as far as the timeline, um, they really don't share timelines. Um, And the way I feel is, is we kind of have to earn it, you know, like if, if someone were to come in and save us all and give us our freedom, we would lose that very quickly because we gained it very quickly and easily. And so if we have to create these solutions ourselves and if we have to drive the solutions ourselves, then we've taught ourselves how to win our freedom and how to defend our freedom and how to keep our freedom. And so I I believe that their mission statement is there to inspire us and Ingersoll Lockwood exists as a, you know, a lightning rod to gather us together. Uh, And then also they will then support the work that they that they can, uh, like they're supporting my carbon capture shield to help achieve all of those uh, those ten plans. So that's what I would say about that. Um, and you you mentioned earlier the IngersollLockwood.com website and uh, its updates and so forth. Uh, uh, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, personally, I am mesmerized because it seems like it's updated in almost real time, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know how they do that, but I mean, I know Ingersoll Lockwood also bought Cyber Defense Media Group a couple of years ago, so I know they've got a, a team of dedicated specialists. So, yeah, that that always blows me away. I sometimes I get like a, a secret message that just says, "Hey, go check out this page and and look for Easter eggs." So it's it's pretty exciting. It's 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 very 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 exciting, and the word has got out about Ingersoll Lockwood's website because you can go on TikTok now, and there's so many more people other than ourselves wow. that, that are talking about it. And it seems like you know they're making these discoveries. And one of the things I found interesting is to actually get to the Q and A page. First, that page is interesting by itself. But there's no yes. menu screen. You have to actually type IngersollLockwood.com backslash QA to get to that. And there's Easter eggs on that page as well. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, I've had to create a document myself that has all those links. And then the beautiful thing is, you know, there's all kinds of Telegram channels that are springing up where people are coming together and they're self-organizing and then they're they're researching into the, the web page and then all of the information that it shares, they're researching into that. So it's kind of like, you know, the Q movement was, was to me, it was a beautiful thing. And I wasn't, I, I wasn't like a regular on the chans, but I, once I saw Q, then I, I was hooked on that because the information was the kind of stuff that I've been reading about for the last decade anyway. And here's this alleged insider, you know, talking about it. But more importantly, there were all these millions of people from all around the world who were coming together and sharing their research. And that is such a powerful thing. And I think what Ingersoll Lockwood is doing is they're sort of bringing that same mentality uh, to the mainstream now, you know, and uh, when we, the people, learn how to self-organize around a, a mission and an objective, that's when we take the power back because that's all society is. Society is just a group of people coming together uh, with a specific objective or mission in mind. And we've forgotten that. We, we become passive consumers and we just take whatever we're, we're given Whereas humans are meant to be passionate explorers, you know, and developers and creators and, and uh, sharers. So, yeah, no, that, that's got me so excited. 
I, I really love everything about that. And the fact that people are posting on TikTok, I'm not even on TikTok, but I, I love that people are posting about it on there. And I, that just gets me very excited. Uh, and you, you mentioned Telegram uh, channels. Uh, if you want to, please feel free to share your Telegram or any that you follow uh, with our audience. Well, so uh, my personal channel is called Secure Comms, just secure and then C-O-M-M-S. Um, I'm, I also have a chat room attached to that, but I'm very uh, protective of the chat room. I, I ban very frequently if people start to cause trouble because I need to stay focused. Um, there's also um, Project Apario. Uh, I support the, the creator of that. Project Apario is it's an online open source intelligence uh, tool that was custom coded uh, by a, a friend of mine. He's also the, the typist behind the Majestic, the MJ12. Uh, Twitter account and Telegram account, and then he created Project Apario as an open source intelligence tool. Um, and then also you have Operation North Star is run by another friend that I'm working with, uh, and his his information is just amazing. Like he he's teaching me about all kinds of stuff, and he's the one who brought the connection to uh, the Tesla Science Institute. Um, so so they're now supporting Carbon Capture Shield as well, and that's opening up amazing. You know like talk about hidden technologies and stuff that's 300 years uh, advanced. They've got some stuff that I, I don't even want to mention because it'll discredit me. Because people hear it and they'll be like, that's, that's bull crap, you know? So, right. Uh, you but, know, uh, yeah, the, those are three things. Sorry, but go ahead. The, the, the people that do say that that's bull crap, those are the closed minded people that I don't think are ever going to wake up. Uh, you know, well, and, I, I agree, but in their defense, we've been fed so many lies so many times that you have to be skeptical, you know, and you've got shills all over the place. You know, like I follow Ghost Ezra, but I don't know if he's a shill. So, I, you know, you have to take everything with a grain of salt. And uh, on one hand, I salute that skepticism because we need that because blind belief is what has gotten us into this trouble. So we have to be skeptical, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, be skeptical, but still look into it uh, and give it a chance before you dismiss it. Uh, exactly. Uh, Dirty Dan, I think you've got the next question, and then I'm going to make a comment, and I'm sure you do too, uh, Dirty Dan. Yeah. Uh, is there is there anything else that you might want to add in closing or, or mention or, you know, briefly talk about? Yeah, well, I, I would just encourage people to, um, you know, focus on, I, I don't know if you know the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey, but he talks about the, the circle of influence versus the circle of concern. Uh, and then also you have the circle of control. And so he talked about like ineffective people focus all their time and attention on their circle of concern. That's things you can't control, but you're concerned about like the weather. You can't change the weather, but you can be concerned about it. Uh, you know, like global warming and, and other things, there's, there's things that are outside of your direct control that might worry you. And if you focus all your time and attention on that, you will not get anything done. That's not very effective. But if you focus on your circle of, of control, then that's things you can influence. Like for instance, um, you know, what you eat and what you drink and also what you consume mentally, you know, what you read, what you listen to, what you watch. And if you take control of yourself, your circle of control expands. And that's what I learned, um, you know, with, with the hemp road trip. Uh, when I focused on what I could do, what I could do is I could record interviews with farmers all around America and I could make that into an entertaining film. And that expanded my circle of influence because suddenly now, uh, even though I'm just one person, I was able to influence farmers and politicians and, and people all around the country and really all around the world 
because I focused on what I was able to control. You know, it was extreme, extreme uh, sacrifice for my wife and I. We lost our house. We lost everything to make that film. But that was within our control. And so the choices that you make in your circle of control can expand your circle of influence and help you direct things in your circle of concern to where you can literally, you know, how does one person change the world? Well, it starts by making your bed. That was, was it, was it, uh, uh, General McRaven, the Navy SEAL, uh, has that talk on YouTube. Yes. And yes. that always stuck with me. You know, if you want to change the world, start by making your bed. And that's very true because that principle carries over into every aspect of your life. If you take care and do the right thing, even in the small stuff, then eventually others will notice and your influence will increase. So that's, that's all I'd like to add. Well, uh, DJ, I just want to thank you again for coming on the show, and I definitely will be in touch with you, and I would definitely like to have you back to uh, talk about your life and talk about uh, some of your dad's, if you know anything uh, that you wish to share about his work at NASA, but I would definitely love to have you back on, and I want you to thank Paul and uh, the other people at Ingersoll Lockwood for having you reach out to us and giving us this interview. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, Dirty Dan? Yeah, um, along with, with what you said, um, having that talk, and then again, having another uh, somewhat regular guest on the podcast now, Rebecca Short with Short Shit Show. Um, and DJ, I'll, I'll invite you to uh, look up her telegram. Um, I know the link is... Uh, the t.me slash short chats um it's it's all about <clears throat> giving the people uh who, who are lost or feel alone a platform to share their awakening experience and and to help research and and, and just talk with one another on a multitude of different things um she's got it very very well organized um i i struggle to to use really any social media platform so i'm not the best one to, to try and navigate through there um but uh it's just it's is that short chats yes okay short, short chats. chats okay thank you sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no no absolutely um and you know she she's actually my wife as well um so nice. it's uh it's it's just really refreshing again and like i said earlier to to to, to have a corporation or corporations businesses want want to do this change and and the fact that it's being run and, and brought together by people who are just like the rest of us who are awake or awakening and going through that journey. Yeah, it's, it's a great time to be alive. And I take my hat off to you guys as well, you know, because it's people like you who are taking responsibility for putting out accurate information. So thank you guys very much for everything you're doing too. Well, uh, thank you very much, DJ. Um, I'm going to hit the uh, stop button. And you're listening to Here to Chew Bubblegum with Goose and Dirty Dan. Yes, you are. And that was awesome, just uh, uh, reliving that. Uh, the, the clip, the phone call from DJ, then the interview is awesome. Very, it, it still makes hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Absolutely. Now, you have a surprise. To continue that relationship with him. Yes, we have. Now, you have a possible surprise, correct? Do you want to share that with the audience? Not possible. It is confirmed. Okay. Um, that you know while we, while we've been on vacation it's not like the work has stopped uh dirty dan's been busy as a bee and uh december sometime in december i won't say the date sometime okay. in december we will have mr dj nikki the second coming back on the show along with paul hempel 
of Ingersoll Lockwood, along with Dr. Zelenko, who is one of DJ's very, very close friends, workers, not assistant, but he's, I guess, a right-hand man of right. home. And hopefully, Clay Clark of the General Flynn and Clay Clark Re- Reawaken America Tour. All in one episode. Oh, all together. That 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 will be a great great episode. Uh, um, we'll have to come up with a name for that. Um, a December to remember episode. December to remember. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I just pulled that out of my ass. That was off the top of my head. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> Oh. Remember when it first started December. <laughs> oh, well, uh, I want to remind everyone first, I want to thank you for listening. I want to remind everyone you can always call, text, or leave a voicemail by calling 606 373 3396. That's 606 373 3396. Or you can email. How can they do that, Dirty Dan? Well, you can email goose at here to chew bubblegum.com, dirty dan at here to chew bubblegum.com, and Rebecca at here to chew bubblegum.com. Or you can email into the show, Netter Elliot at here to chew bubblegum at yahoo.com. And speaking of emails, Bowen's been awfully quiet lately. I hope he's all right on the trail. Yes, yes. He he is fine. He <laughs> is fine. Um, he will when we come back and start reading emails, he will he will be right there. We we okay. will have Mr. Okay. We'll have emails from Mr. Bowen Cox. And uh, speaking of DJ Nikki, this this end of the, the show series right now, we are talking about his own baby of Carbon Capture Shield. Um, Carbon Capture Shield is a company that intends to transform 1 billion acres of earth into regenerative land that restores the health of our natural environment, starting in your own backyard. By restoring the biological life in the soil, we jumpstart the natural processes that sequester the greenhouse gases and they break down pollutants all while feeding and protecting your lawn from below. Go ahead and you can order it. You can reserve your VIP spot at lawn.carboncaptureshield.com. It is a great product. It is the same price, if not a little cheaper than all of those terrible, harmful, quote unquote, fertilizers that you can go down to your local hardware store or home goods store and get on the shelf. And instead of destroying the environment, you can help save your planet for the same price or less little to no care after you just spread it and forget it spread it and forget it i like spread that. it and forget it i like that i like that so now, be sure to check them out again it's lawn.carboncaptureshield.com don't forget about the tvp team till valhalla project.com support our vets support yourself too it's not just about vets it's ending all suicide one is one too many and then don't forget about our boys over at adventures with purpose check them out on youtube adventureswithpurpose.com or their website event or adventures with a purpose on YouTube. Their website is adventureswithpurpose.com. Also, I want to spe- say special thanks to Carlin for all the voiceover work. Don't forget to check out the new Midlife Crisis album available now. And be sure to check out and support friends of our show that have their own shows. I'm talking about CK and Uncle Bill over at deadpit.com. Talk Junkie with Justin Perkins. Jordan and Brad have Down on the Holler. Seth Embergy with Seth's Daily Podcast. Elliot Gertie and Beagle of SpookyFamilyPodcast.com. The Mountain Mysteries Podcast with Chris and don't forget about Cronkite, Snowman, and Large Marge over at Paranormal Trucker on YouTube. If you want to awaken more, be sure to check out Rebecca Short on TikTok and Honest Rebecca Thoughts on Twitch.
Twitch. And don't forget on the Here to Chew Bubblegum page, every Friday, 8 a.m., you can check Honestly Get Real with Goose and Rebecca. Dirty Dan, the cooking man. Please tell us about your uh, TikTok. So, yeah, as I am also on TikTok again. Um, it's Dirty Dan 974. And per request <clears throat> by the people, I have started making little cooking videos with some of my little homegrown barbecue recipes. Um, this time there is a quick little barbecue burger that is always sweet and savory. Uh, we got some uh, barbecue burritos. We got some steak. Um, and uh, I got an apple cobbler one in the works. That's not really barbecue, but it's for dessert. So come check it out. Try the recipes. I encourage it. If you guys want to see me do something, you can email us here at the show or comment on my TikTok. Try it. I encourage you. Let me know what you think. Sounds good to me. That'll do it for this week. We'll see you next week. And until then, so long for now. Maybe I'm not leaving. Maybe I'm just going home. Thanks for listening to Here to Chew Bubblegum. Tune in next time as we dive deeper into things the government doesn't want us to know.